The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 6. And um, we are going to pick up, we have been preaching through the book of Matthew. And uh, we are finishing the second half of chapter 6. So... We're going to do is we're are, we're going to read. Uh, I'm going to read this for us, and then we will look at this together. So Matthew chapter six. We're going to pick up in verse 19. I'm going to read to the end of the chapter. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is. There your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your Father in heaven feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And who are uh, <clears throat> and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how how they grow; they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into heaven into the oven, will He not also much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, "What shall we eat?" or "What shall we drink?" Or what shall we wear? For the, for the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Fathers, we look at your word and look at how Jesus is redirecting our attention, we ask that you would give us your spirit to have our attention redirected. Father, there's a lot of things to distract us, and so we ask that as we look at your word, you would be with us, and you would help us to fight the fears of our lives, to be focused on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know how many of you are into uh, into puzzles, or like doing puzzles. Um, Michelle and I like doing puzzles on our, uh, we have our like Wednesday night date night. And so um, a year or so ago, I bought somebody's like used puzzle collection. So I have like 300 puzzles. If you ever need one, you can borrow one. Um, but we'll put them together. And as you as you put particular puzzles together, one of the things you'll kind of experience is like the more like a 1500 puzzle pieces. Like they have like these weird shapes. They're like, you know, like my, my son's, puzzles, they're like six pieces, like it's pretty obvious how they go together, you know, like that one goes there and that one goes there, 
when you get to the bigger ones, like the puzzle pieces are all like these weird shapes, and you're kind of like, I know they go together, but I can't quite figure out like how they, and they're like deceptively like lined so that like what looks like a flat edge is really just a weirdly cut piece, you know? So, but I feel like this passage is in some ways a bit of like a puzzle, right? It's kind of like, all right, all these statements, like Jesus said them all at one time. So like they all go together in kind of like some general way, <laughs> but it's not really obvious how they all go together like as a puzzle, like to see the full picture, right? Because you've got Jesus, uh, you know, he's talking about thieves and your treasures and he's got like the eye of your heart is the lamp of your body somehow and like like ultra darkness inside if you've got a bad eye like how does <laughs> and then you've got heaven and earth and you've got like flowers and bees and stuff like that that he's throwing around and you're like I mean I get the general idea that we should trust God but <laughs> how does that all how does that all fit together I think that Jesus is following up on last week's passage where we were looking at desiring the Father's rewards. Remember how we were looking at the, the, the Lord's Prayer last week and we disciples desire the Father's rewards. And in that, in that moment, Jesus is saying, there's rewards now where you, you receive the blessing of knowing God and walking in his promises now, but there's a not yet, things that aren't realized yet, you know, things that you haven't experienced. So, in the, in the Bible, we call this uh, the already not yet tension of we know God now, but there's still things to come that haven't happened yet, like the renewal of all things, the ridding of all sin and sadness, uh, to name a few. Um, no more uh, political debates. That'll be awesome. <laughs> the patriots will be on top of everything and win all the time, right? <laughs> so there's things that are that we experience now, but not yet. And that tension of wow, like, I'm, I'm with you, Jesus, but things haven't kind of fully panned out yet. That's kind of a, uh, a tense, that's the, that's the course of our lives, right? That's the course of our lives of uh, waiting, of tension, of anxiety and fear, right? And I think that's why Jesus goes from, okay, look forward to what God's going to give you. And then you're like, okay, I can do that. Let's do that. But I have to wait from here to there, and that looks like a pretty anxious, dark path, and I need some help. And Jesus says, I gotcha. Because there's a lot of fears in life. And Jesus is redirecting our attention. Um, if, you, if you imagine, like, my children, like, when you're trying to get their attention, like, okay, focus in here. Like, no, 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 don't keep focus. You know, like, he's taking our eyes and pointing our attention at the Father. And he's telling us that disciples fight fear by focusing on the Father. I think that's, if you're kind of looking for like a main point, like, hey, what's the one thing I remember between now and the Pats game? Disciples fight fear focused on the Father. And so the way that Jesus is going to do that is he's going to go after these kind of like core needs that we have in our lives, like uh, money, food, clothing. <laughs> he's going to go at those, and he's going to, like he did last week, he's going to kind of get under the skin of our hearts and just kind of begin to poke at what's going on underneath to redirect our attention to the Father and help us to fight our anxieties and fears. So let's look with Jesus as he's teaching us the disciples fight fear focused on the Father. Let's let him redirect our attention. Let's pick up in verse 19. Disciples seek one mastering king, as I think is the first half of what Jesus is teaching us here. Disciples seek one mastering king. 
So we read this part last week, but we're going to read it again this week. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if the eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. So again, here's these puzzle pieces, and so let's begin to kind of break them out and say, okay, what's the shape of this piece, and how does that fit in with the next piece over? So just 19 through 21, if you have, like, my Bible, it's paragraphed off. Like, that's one paragraph, 19 to 21. And uh, what Jesus is doing there is he's kind of doing, like, this classic move against, um, against money, right? He's saying, look, if you want a true retirement plan, put your retirement plan in heaven where, Je- where the Father is, uh, and your retirement plan here is not going to last very long. Right, so no matter, the point is that, if you look at verse 20, right, but lay up for your tre- tre- yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal, it's not a matter of if your money is going to fade away. <laughs> it's just a matter of when, right? Like, he's just making an obvious point, right? I don't think Jesus was thinking about Bitcoin, but if you throw up this, this slide for Bitcoin, right, and Bitcoin's like all the rage these days, like, here's, here's the, the price of Bitcoin, and it is on a drastic drop right now. Now, I know that you could say, like, oh, look, like, that's still, you know, $9,002 is still more than what it was over here. But you get my point, right? Even, even the best financial investments always, uh, always fall through at the end, right? They always kind of bottom out. And you see this most clearly, like, like whenever, I don't know if any of you had to clear out, like, a family member's house who's, like, passed away or had to move into a nursing home. It's like... All these things meant something to them at some point, <laughs> but I don't want these things. <laughs> like, what do I do with all this junk, right? All of our lives are, they care, we are committed to uh, building up and kind of storing all these like little treasures. And that's what Jesus is saying. Look, it's not a matter of if they'll have no meaning. It's just a matter of when they'll lose their meaning. And then his point then in verse 21 is to say, right, um, Put your heart, where's your heart security, right? Is your heart security, is your, is your heart resting in and loving, look, I've got all these things or I've got all this financial security or is it resting in, I have a father who cares for me, right? What's your heart's treasure? So Jesus is doing, he's going after what's your heart's treasure in verses 19 to 21 and then 22 and 23 He's using this is odd image, right? He's saying, like, look, the eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eye, if the lamp is dark, like the whole body is dark, and it's a bit of like, like it's it's a bit of a weird because you're like, I don't know if you read that and you're kind of like, yeah, but like, how does like my eye that looks out at stuff like make this dark in here? Like that seems like a bit of a weird metaphor. What Jesus is really just doing is he's saying, look, the eyes of your your eyes are a window for your soul, right? Do you ever have like that moment where you're kind of like, oh, I could see in his eyes that he was thinking this or like, you know, you, you look at a friend and you're like, hey, you're not telling me the truth. You know, like you're telling me something, but I can tell in your eyes that something's not. He's, Jesus is making a, a, an image of, look, 
the, your, your eyes are a window for your heart. This is actually a pretty common thing back in the ancient world. They would have, they would have this kind of idea of like the evil eye, right? Where you like the evil eye of greed or the evil eye, eye was kind of like a slanted eye, like envious or deceitful. So you have Proverbs 28, 22, where uh, if you throw it up like in, um, in your Bible, it'll say a stingy man. But if you look at like the literal Hebrew reading, and this is like a little footnote in my Bible, it says a man whose eye is evil, right? So it says, I image, right, heart hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him, right? So here's a, Jesus picking up on this, eyes are a window for what your heart is yearning for. It's a sense of, it's not just like Jesus going after money and saying like, look, if you want money, uh, you're, you're a bad person. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, look, your eyes go after what your heart craves, your, 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 they, they are kind of like, uh, they, give, they give the sense of what's going on on the inside. Right, you had that, if you remember the Grinch from Christmas time, right? His heart was really small. Children. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> his heart was really small. And then when his heart, when his eyes went to something that was good, right? Whatever, Christmas gifts and all that stuff. His heart exploded like three times or something like that, right? So the heart reflects what your eyes desire. That's what Jesus is going after. And um, so he has a summary statement in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For he will hate the one and love the other, or he will devote to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God. You, you see this all the time in spy movies, right? The, the double crosser can't be fully committed to the, to the people he's double crossing, right? The heart will eventually serve one or the other, um, and Jesus, it's, it's, he uses the word money here. If you use like the King James or something like that, like it has the word mammon. And really Jesus is saying like you can either serve the things of this world or you can serve God as your ultimate kind of source of hope and rest. Um, and so I think that it's funny, like actually if you know Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan wrote a song, uh, you've got to serve somebody. <laughs> right, it might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody. Um, it's pretty cool. Like it, Bob Dylan is uh, equal opportunity uh, humbler, right? He goes, if you read, if you go through the song and listen to it, like he humbles everybody. Hey, Jesus is doing the same sort of thing here. He is saying, look, your heart's going to either rest in one mastery or the other. And I don't think what Jesus is doing here is saying, uh, if you love money, uh, that's the only problem. That's the only real idol you can have in life is money. Cause that, that's, I don't think that what Jesus is doing here is saying it's either money or God. He's saying the things of this world are God. Um, and I know we can kind of say that and be like, oh, okay, like check off the box. Like I'm okay. Like this is not a main problem. But I think what Jesus is doing here is he's going after kind of like the key functional gods that we have in our lives. So like money tends to be one of those. But he's going after, um, he's going after the functional idols of our hearts, the functional gods in our lives. Because like if you look up at verse 19, we can kind of pass over this, but do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. If you just stop there, like what, if you think about the drama of that, that verse, right? He's kind of saying this, like don't, if, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Laying up treasures, like that's, that's a long, committed, frantic exercise, right? Like you can kind of, like if you're going to kind of play this out in your head, like somebody who's like, well, I'm going to make this amount of money and then I'm going to, I'm going to store up all this stuff, 
and I'm going to set it aside, and then you have to ask the question, why? Like, why are they doing that? Well, because they're worried about their life, right? Like, this is all stuff that we can relate to, worried about, am I going to be able to provide for myself? Am I going to be able to provide for my family? Am I going to be able to do the things that I want to do? Am I going to have, you know, all that? He's going after that, that why question, not the, the money question. He's going after why are you frantic about this stuff? And that's where we begin to see our functional gods. So what, what do we become defensive? What do we become frantic about? Right? Like our functional gods are often seen when things get stressful, when things get uh, out of control. Right? When, when stress comes and the opportunity for escape from the pressure or the depression sets in, or the desire to accomplish your own will, where do you go and what do you do? That's, that's the functional gods that Jesus is going at. That's the, that's the functional master that Jesus is, is pointing out. Right? Because you can frantically do all this stuff to provide for yourself, which often looks like I'm going to become defensive when you start asking why well, I don't know how to spell. Or I'm going to become defensive whenever you um, question whether I'm being truthful or not. I'm going to try to control the situation when it doesn't seem like things are going my way. Or I want to get my sermon just right, so I'm going to control what others people, how other people engage with me. I'm going to uh, get the right grade or frantically be devoted to health, or I'm going to be frantically devoted to, a, uh, uh, to avoiding conflict, right? Like you see this all the time in marriage where uh, one spouse will just like, I just don't want to engage with conflict. Well, that's because you have a functional God, a functional master of things being copacetic and not dealing with the issues of life, right? We live as though these functional gods or these functional masters will be our refuge, Right, that they, if we can avoid the conflict, if we can avoid the pressure, if we can avoid the stress, whatever we go to, those things are going to be, our, they're going to be our master, right? Because we're going to devote our time and attention and affection to those things. Your functional God completes, competes with your profession to believe in God, right? We say that we believe and that God provides for us, but then we functionally will go to these all of those things. But the point of this is not to say, oh, look how horrible you are, <laughs> all you divided, half-hearted people. Remember, the, the entry to this whole Sermon on the Mount is to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is starting out by saying, we're all in the ER room of God's mercy, and he's putting his finger on helping us to thrive in our life with God. Right, So the point isn't to say, look how horrible you are. Yes, believers are divided, but believers are not wholly committed over to their false masters. Right, And so how do we see our hearts masters? How do we see what, the, what Jesus talks about as these alternative masters of our hearts? How do we see that? What, just do an evaluation this last week or the last month and start asking, where are, what are the things that yank at your negative emotions? Right? What are the things that cause you to get just blinding, angry, or green with envy, or, or defensive, right? All those emotions, like to be angry or, or defensive, are not inherently wrong emotions, right? 
You can defend God's truth and you can be angry at sin, right? <laughs> Typically, though, they are not holy affections in our lives, right? I, I don't know about you, but if I were to say, Jacob, what did you get angry about in this last week? I'd say probably 99% of the time it was because um, I was sinning with my anger rather than defending God's glory and name. <laughs> Just. But what are the things that, you, that yank at your negative emotions, right? Anger, why do they have the perfect family or the perfect provisions and I don't? Uh, why, why do you not believe me or trust me? You know, that, look at where your negative emotions are and begin to, want, begin to ask questions. Why am, I, why am I committing myself to defending this at the moment? Why am I committing myself to serving this? Why am I frantic to have this little thing in my life? Respect, my way, all these other things on my terms. Because I think those are, those are our functional masters and how we see them in our lives. But I don't think that Jesus is only just saying, look, get rid of all these negative masters. He is saying, disciples seek one mastering king, right? So you see that here in verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. That's what we want to be. We want to be mastered by what we look at, right? We want to be mastered by the one good, gracious, loving father that he's holding out, right? That's where he ends, right? You can either serve God or money, and he's going to go on to talk about the Father. So he's saying you can either be mastered by loving the Father, by a loving Father, a gracious Father, or you can be mastered by these false gods that are never going to support you or provide for you. <laughs> so how do, we, how do we begin to be mastered by the one king? This is going to be real simple. You, you, you read your Bible. <laughs> you, you open your Bible and you read it. You look at who this God is. You treasure him and you see, okay, um, there's 28 days just to throw this out there, there's 28 days in February and there's 28, 28 chapters in the book of Matthew. Maybe just read a chapter a day, the book of Matthew, and get to know who your generous good king is. Like who, be mastered by this Jesus that we get to look at. See, so set your heart to see who he is, to treasure him. If, he, if he's going to be where you want to be, if, if heaven is going to be where Jesus is and you want to be wherever Jesus is so you can get heaven, then get to know him, look at him, treasure him, and look at, and rest, and just, okay, I can set aside, look, it takes 15 minutes a day to read three chapters of the Bible. If you read three chapters of the Bible a day, you'll read through the whole Bible in a year. Just another little statistic. These are like little pastor things that you have in your back pocket you're going to throw out there. Just read, read and meditate and consider, God, who are you? What are you like? Right? Because we have just looked at, at the, the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus has said, our Father in heaven. Right? That is an astounding new statement in the Bible. God has been good. He's been a king. He's been a, a savior. But now, in Jesus, we have a Father. I, I want to know him. I want to know what he's like. And so I read, and I see, wow, he... He's gracious and loving with a bunch of boneheads in the Old Testament. I feel at home with those folks. He's gracious and merciful in directing me. And then read the book of Proverbs. He gives you wisdom for the day. Right? I'm just trying to lay out that I think that we can set our eyes 
to look at him. And just to throw this out there, there's one, one idea. Psalm 84, 11, let's throw this verse up there. Here is one of those things you can look at and say, this is my God. The Lord is, the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly, which seems to be somewhere what Jesus is saying here. But notice, who's the one who provides? Not your false masters. Your false masters of control, of getting your way, of being defensive, of getting the perfect vacation and the perfect Facebook feed and all that, it will never provide the good things that God has for you. They will always take and diminish and destroy. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. He is the one who provides protection and provision for you. The Lord bestows favor and honor. He's the one that looks on you, not your defensiveness and anxiety and anger and says, well loved. The Lord looks on you and says, my cherished son or daughter. He's the one that bestows honor and favor. Right, but this is not, this isn't to say this is some sort of mechanical God's going to provide, so name it, claim it. That's not what's going on here. You have a father who wants to provide for you in his own timing. So we're going to pick up here in verse 25. Disciples seek one generous kingdom. All right, so Jesus has been holding out. Look, be mastered by one gracious father. And now he is saying, disciple, if, if you're going to follow me and you're going to fight the fear of your life, the fears of your life, the anxieties of your life, seek one generous kingdom. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body and what you will put on it. It's not life, it's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, could add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is today alive and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? The Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So this is why we're talking, I think, that when we begin to pull all this together, the disciples fight fear focused on the Father. It's because you have verse 25, therefore do not be anxious about your life. Verse 31, therefore do not be anxious. Verse 34, therefore do not be anxious. Maybe it's just me, but it seems like anxiety and fear is at the heart of what Jesus is going after. Right, anxiety does nothing. Right, that's what this whole story that Jesus is laying out. Look at the birds of the air. Like they get all their food, and they didn't. Like they don't even know how to build a barn. Like, although they do know how to build nests. Right, look at the grass that you're going to mow. 
Come June, when it's nice and hot and sunny out, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to mow it down. And God gave that grass the chlorophyll and all the stuff to make it look great. Chlorophyll's right, right? Yeah. God made that grass and the field and the flowers look great. And then we pay the state and they mow it down. Like <laughs> it, so if God provides for them, do you think he's going to provide for you? We just sang, he's a good, good father. But Jesus is going after these things of, he's hitting at the main core needs of our lives, right? Like I, was just, I just watched uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. I'm a little late to the party. But the main villain, right? What's the main villain? His main point in, in the whole reason for being a villain is he's just trying to provide for his family, right? Jesus is going after that sense of like, I'm just trying to provide. Like I'm just trying to grind it out. I'm just trying to get it done. I'm just trying to get us food on the table and clothes on our back. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Look, let's do a little birds and the bees lesson, right? <laughs> he says, God provides for all these things. He's going to take care of you. Right, and, he, and this isn't just kind of like a general, like God takes care of everybody. That's true. But you notice, like, Jesus is going after, right? He says, verse 32, for the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Right, so he's, he's saying, look, God has a specific fatherly good care for his children, right? He cares for everybody, but he has a specific care for you. He's providing. Now, I'm not saying this and saying, I know that several of us are looking for better employment or underemployed or not employed and we're trying to find better jobs. And I'm not saying, look, if you just trust God, he'll provide for you and get rid of all your financial problems. That's not the story that Jesus is laying out here. He's going after where does your heart live? Does your heart live in the worries? Or does your heart live in the generosity of the Father? Right, the heart of anxiety, right? Here's a few definitions just to define what anxiety is. Anxiety is believing, uh, is, is imagining a future without God. Or you could say this, anxiety is thinking that God won't get it right. Right? Like it's, there's a simple ways to remember. What's, I'm just, I feel, I feel, have you ever felt that grip of anxiety in your heart? Just like, I just can't, I can't get rid of it. What, in one way or another, that sense of anxiety is thinking, God won't be good tomorrow. God won't get it right. Which ultimately says, I've got to do it on my own, right? Which is what Jesus is going after in these verses, right? You can't, by worrying about something, by, by frantically trying to provide for yourself, you're not going to be able to add an hour to your life, right? And remember, this is not saying that you shouldn't plan financially for the future either, right? If you remember Joseph in Genesis, he has that dream and they set up food and provision for seven years. That was God's plan for them, right? So he's not saying, look, don't plan for the future. He's, he's going after that sense of, what's your heart saying today? What's your heart, where's it resting? Right? Jesus goes after your personal care in verses 25 to 27, right? Food and clothing. He cares about your daily needs. He knows. Your father in heaven, verse 28, he's going after your personal stature, right? 
they don't do anything. Like flowers, like birds at least move around. <laughs> flowers don't do anything and they get provided for and they're better arrayed than Solomon who had all the money in the world. God knows your reputation. He's going to care about you, care for you, defend you. Your, prov- your personal provisions, right? Verses 29 to 20, 30. <laughs> right? The gla- the, again, the grass of the field, live day, gone tomorrow. Oh, you of little faith. He cares about your provisions. He knows your father, your father sees the anxiety at the kitchen table on Sunday night at 10 o'clock, wondering, is this week going to cut it? He sees that. He sees it and knows. See, Jesus is holding out a good father who provides for us. I don't know what keeps you up at night. I've been there, 3.30 in the morning, can't fall asleep. I've been up all night, anxious. God sees that. And Jesus is going after your heart of fear and redirecting your attention. Right? You see this over and over. Your father in heaven, he sees, right? right? Verse 32, your father in heaven knows that you need all of these things. He knows all the needs you have in your life. He knows them all. And he is wanting to rest your soul in a fight against fear by directing your attention on him. So what does he tell us to do, Jesus? Jesus, what do we do? Verse 33, and we'll, kinda, we'll, we'll begin to close up with these few thoughts. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Oh, okay. I don't know if you read that and you're like, so what does that mean? Go to church? <laughs> give away all my money to Destiny Rescue? Like, what does that mean for my... <laughs> what does that mean? I think when Jesus says that, he's referring back to the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. All right, if you remember the Beatitudes, we looked at this before, we looked at this in, our, in a previous sermon, disciples thrive in humility. The life of a, th- a thriving disciple, one who loves God and seeks after his righteousness, that thrives in humility, right? These are the right, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, and for those who are meek. People, people who realize that they're total dirtbags and that Jesus loves them, right? <laughs> Disciples thrive in justice, right? People, people who hunger and thirst for righteousness, people who are merciful, people who are impure in heart. What that means is that you love God's designs and you want to see them realized in the world around us, which is why we send Rachel and Matt away to go see God's designs for uh, the thriving and value of human life and dignity, free from exploitation and abuse in all corners of the world. And we want to see that here in our neighborhoods as well, which is why we're a part of Roca Kids Club. Disciples thrive in peace, right? Disciples, right, they are peacemakers. They are, they are persecuted and they are reviled and yet they bless. Right? Disciples thrive in peace because they know that God has made peace with us. How do we thrive and how do we seek after righteousness? Well, we seek to be right with other people. We seek to be ones who, who restore relationships and bless those around us. How do we seek after God's righteousness and kingdom? We act like our Father who's in heaven, who sought us out and made peace with us. And the disciples thrive in multiplying the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the salt and light part, right? We want to see more people brought into this kingdom who know this Father who's good and gracious and, and generous. We want more people. We want this room packed out. We want to have the problem of do we do two services or do we plan out of the church? We want that problem. That's what I think it means as a part to seek God's kingdom and righteousness.
I think Jesus is holding out for this daily life for us, this reality that, right, he says, verse 34, you can't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. Which I think is to say, God gives you grace for today and not for tomorrow. He only gives you grace for today. He only gives you the grace to seek after him and know him and obey him and love him today. And he doesn't give you the grace for tomorrow. Because he's a father who wants to help you fight faith personally. He wants, he's in this with you. Which is why I think Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer. We just we can't forget that we just got we're on the backside of the Lord's Prayer here, right? How do we fight fear? How do we fight anxiety in our lives by focusing on the Father? Maybe it's just committing to praying every day. Our Father in heaven. How would be your name? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have been forgiven by you. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That seems like a good way to fight fear. Right? We pray for our Father through Jesus for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And then then what we get is this vision of a good Father who wants to provide for us, who is providing for us, and that's how we fight off fear, right? Like what, what's going to happen tomorrow? How we're going to provide for us this month? What's this? What's that? The what ifs of life? I don't have an answer for those things. But the way we fight for our hearts to be at peace, to fight the fear that we often feel, is we hold up for ourselves. This is what Jesus does. A vision of a good father who's, who is good, who's generous, eager to provide for us. This is this generous kingdom. He's, it's not just one thing. All things he's providing for us. Disciples fight fear focused on the Father. Let's pray. Father, as we look at you, we ask that you would fill us with faith to, to fight the fears of our lives, the anxieties of our lives, the ways in which we just don't know what's going to happen or we doubt you. And so, Father, as we We have these divided hearts and we are of little faith. Father, give us your spirit that we can fight the fears of our hearts by focusing on you, seeing you, enjoying you. So it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.